the Las Vegas Raiders will be making the uh, short trip to Los Angeles to play the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football at uh, beautiful um, uh, SoFi Stadium. We expect it to be a uh, fairly significant uh, Raiders uh, contingency amongst the fans uh, there in Los Angeles. No big surprise, the Raiders have a, have a strong uh, foothold uh, in Southern California, and their fans um, have been have circled that game on their calendar for quite some time. It's great that both teams come into this game uh, with with good records, seemingly all both headed in the right direction. We could be seeing uh, changing of the guard here in the AFC West. Uh, that remains to be seen, but. Somebody that um, was uh, front and center, let's say, um, in regards to the NFL returning to Los Angeles uh, and also the NFL coming here to Las Vegas um, with SoFi Stadium in L.A., Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders uh, here in Las Vegas, is my next guest. Uh, His name is Eric Grubman. Um, He formerly worked uh, for the NFL and um, was, was part of you know, the committee and oversaw uh, basically the office that was in charge of, you know, some of the relocation uh, efforts and and that whole saga. Uh, And so when you drive by Allegiant Stadium, when you drive by SoFi Stadium, uh, Eric Grubman is a big part of both of those uh, venues and and both of these markets, LA uh, and Las Vegas. First of all, Eric, thank you for spending some time with me in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. And how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, excited for a great weekend uh, of football in Los Angeles. The Rams are hosting the Cardinals. That's a huge game in the AFC West. And then a day later, uh, it's the Raiders against the Chargers in a in a very big AFC West game. And so it's kind of what the NFL, I'm sure, uh, envisioned uh, to some degree. A big weekend of football in the NFL, and as you as you see it from where you're from your vantage point now, and we're going to get into what you're doing now. Um, but how pleased would you think that the NFL is uh, with these two big games being played in that great venue uh, in SoFi Stadium? I think the NFL, I mean, I haven't asked them <laughs> to be 100% <laughs> candid, but I, I think the NFL would be very happy with things, the way things have played out. Obviously, last year there were no fans, unfortunately, uh, in either Allegiant Stadium or or SoFi Stadium. Uh, but they're back in force uh, now, and um, you know, as you as you kind of uh, you know look back and uh, look at things presently, and and kind of remember where you were a few years ago when all of this was just you know plans and and uh, you know blueprints and things like that. Um, from your own personal standpoint, when you see a packed stadium and Allegiant Stadium and the show that they're putting on uh, in Las Vegas and, and you see SoFi Stadium packed uh, with Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Los Angeles Rams, um, what goes through your mind, Eric? What goes through my mind is that you do all the planning you possibly can. You make the best possible predictions you can, and then you have to... I um, hope some things go right. More things go right than than go wrong. And in this case, that's definitely what played out. The city of Las Vegas has continued to thrive. The stadium was built efficiently. Um, COVID intervened, but COVID intervened in everybody's lives everywhere. So I don't I don't line that up in the Las Vegas column or the Raiders column. That's just the environment. Um, and so 
I think the NFL did a very good job in making its, its assessment about Las Vegas. I think the Raiders did a very good job in picking Las Vegas as a place that they thought the franchise could thrive. And I think that's how it's playing out. Um, at the end of the day, though, you have a range. You take all those variables and you have a range of outcomes. And uh, that range in the, on the positive side is enhanced when you got a good football team. And that's what appears to be happening right now at 3-0. and up. Yeah, there's no case. There's no question about that. Um, and, you know, you're right. Uh, the Raiders are thriving here in Las Vegas. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I always felt, you know, for Raider Nation, you probably couldn't have picked a better landing spot than Las Vegas to put them in close proximity with their fan base in Southern California. It kept them close proximity to their fan base in the Bay Area and then Raider Nation uh, worldwide. Nobody has any qualms about coming out to Las Vegas for a weekend. And then you also have this growing market here in Las Vegas in Southern Nevada that's booming as we speak. So I think uh, a lot was set up really well for the Raiders to thrive here, and that's exactly what's happening. But I want to take you to um, their next opponent, the Chargers, and they have a different journey, and they have a different story, and it's a different set of dynamics that they're dealing with uh, in L.A. as far as creating a niche in a very crowded sports market, including a great Los Angeles Rams team. The Lakers are getting ready to get started. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. USC football, even in uh, bad times, are always a, a major story in Los Angeles. Um, from your vantage point and when you watch, you know, just observe the Chargers and some of the challenges that they're facing in Los Angeles, what's your takeaway there? And do you feel like um, as time goes on, they have a good chance to create that niche in Los Angeles? I think it comes down to winning in Los Angeles. Uh, it comes down to winning everywhere. Um, but Los Angeles is a tough market. It's a crowded market not just for football, it's crowded for all entertainment. And so you've got to be special, and, and a big part of being special is winning. Um, now, if what you're really getting at, Vincent, is can they compete with the Rams, I think the answer is yes. If you ask can they compete with the basketball team, I think the answer is yes, but they got to win. And frankly, it's the same with the Rams. So the Rams started out with an edge because of their history in Los Angeles. Um, but the Chargers have every possibility that any other team would have if they win and if they take care of their fans. That's the name of the game. It is the name of the game. Um, and uh, and I, think, I, I do think that there are some unique challenges that they're facing. Um, but... I'm with you. I think that uh, it, it takes time and it takes winning. And we live in a, a very hasty society in terms of making determinations and, and, uh, and making final calls when we're just bas basically in the crawling aspect. They're just in their stadium for the first year with fans. So let it play out and let the Chargers uh, try to take care of business on the field and see where it all heads. Um, but you know, no surprise, I'm sure, Eric, that when the Raiders go to L.A., it looks like it's probably going to be a 70, uh, 30, um, if not worse, for the Chargers anyway. It's very good for the Raiders ratio in terms of the fans. Um, how did the NFL always kind of maybe assess the Raiders and the foothold that they had in Los Angeles? Um, you know, when you when you look back at, at things and, and their journey to try to get to Los Angeles, what did what did the NFL look at when it came to the Raiders and Southern California? 
Are you talking about in L.A. or are you talking about in in um, Southern California generally? Southern California generally, definitely Los Angeles. Uh, but you know, uh, people I think would be surprised if they're if you're living in Chicago or Minnesota that the Inland Empire, you know, San Bernardino, even into San Diego, Orange County, Ventura County. Um, there's a lot of Raider fans all throughout Southern California, and that's really. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, they have a huge fan base in that region. The, the Raiders have a good reputation or a, a following, a, a, a real solid following, a crazy following even, in a lot of places all over the world. That's why there's a Raiders bar in just about every city in America and, uh, in a lot of cities outside America. Um, it's a storied name. And it's a storied name because of the history, because of the flamboyance of Al Davis and many of the players. They struck a chord, and that doesn't go away easily. It can last for an awful long time. I remember that when we when we opened up the international series in London, and the NFL was staying near a train station so we could get on the train and go back and forth to the game at Wembley Stadium. And I began to see jerseys in the sta- in the stadium you know, three, four, five days before the game. People were coming in from all over England and other places in in Europe to go to the game, and they were making a weekend or a very long weekend of it. And I started to see jersey after jersey, but not from all the teams equally. I saw a lot of Miami Dolphins jerseys. And I remember asking someone, what's with the Dolphins jersey? And the guy was of a certain age, and he said, you know, when I first started watching, um, Dolphins were having great seasons, and I became a Dolphins fan. And so all these years, he's hung on to an old Dolphins jersey and his original team, even though he didn't live anywhere near them. And let's face it, in recent years, the Dolphins didn't put up that many wins. Right. Winning seasons, I should say. So the passion is really strong. So here you have the Raiders who played in L.A., and um, uh, won a lot of games, won Super Bowls, and they have a a lot of great fans all over the world, and a lot of them happen to be in in uh, Southern California. Eric, um, you know the, the Raiders obviously are here in Las Vegas, and um, there's you know gaming here in Las Vegas. I know that professional sports leagues um, in years past were hesitant uh, about that element here in Las Vegas in terms of whether to play games here, whether the, to, to put a team here. Uh, we're seeing that it's doable. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious, especially with what you're doing now, uh, I know you're the, uh, the chairman of uh, SPAC, or SPAC Sports Entertainment uh, Acquisition uh, Corporation, and uh, you're affiliated now with Betway uh, and Spin. And so the gaming element is something that you're um, working in now. Um, so what was what do you think that um i'm sure it's kind of a combination of how we as humans maybe are are are, are looking at the gaming industry and the element that it creates for you know uh more entertainment watching sports i'm sure it's the leagues uh looking at things and how it could be um secured so it doesn't get out of hand and i think we both know what we're talking about in that regard as far as betting and that element um, but the fact that it's come to go together as quickly as, as it has, and there doesn't appear to be any hiccups, what do you attribute that to? 
you mean their association with the gaming industry? Yeah, well, just the fact that, you know, there's a hockey team here now. Um, there's obviously an NFL team here now. Uh, everything's kind of gone off without a glitch. I don't sense or, and, any impending problems with, you know, the, the, uh, the element of, of sports betting here and, and gambling in, in general. Uh, and it feels like it's coexisting perfectly well, and I don't expect that to change. The A's might be moving here. We'll see about that. Um, but just the fact that where there was a reluctance and just forbidden almost, uh, that no longer exists. And I think what we're learning is it can definitely coexist. You can have a sports team here in, in Las Vegas. Look, I think um, Las Vegas 20 years ago was gambling town. But the light bulb came on for me, not when Mark Davis said to me, I want to take a serious uh, shot at Las- getting to a stadium situation in Las Vegas. I'm going to keep working in Oakland, but I'm not confident, so i got to start working somewhere. Um, I thought he was nuts, but I went to Las Vegas. I hadn't been there in a long time. I wanted to see it for myself. And I looked at the data and all that, but you can't, I mean, you can't really get a feel for it unless you see it. And when I, when I spent some time there, and I think the last time I was on the show, we talked about this, I didn't tell anybody I was going. Right. And I didn't meet with anybody who, um, you know, would, would say anything about the NFL visiting. So nobody knew I went and nobody in the NFL knew I went other than the Raiders and a couple of people working on the project with me. And I was just so impressed at how Las Vegas had grown outside of gambling, outside of the Strip. It was a city that had really broadened itself, and it had a lot going on. Now, some of that derived from the gaming industry, right? Once once an industry, whatever the industry is, gets big enough, then it needs so many people that those people demand services. And the electric utility gets bigger. The water department gets bigger. The city gets bigger. Everything gets bigger. The schools get bigger. The hospitals get bigger. The colleges get bigger. And that begins to uh, widen um, the, 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 the set of activities that's got, that are going on. And that's what had happened in Las Vegas. So um, I think that the gaming industry is uh, uh, big and vibrant and powerful. And I think that Las Vegas derives a lot of benefit from the the resort nature and the fact that so many people want to visit. But let's face it, a lot of people visit the Strip and don't gamble. They go for the food. They go for the shopping. They go for the attractions. Families go, and maybe one or two people in the family might be gamblers, and the others are doing all the other things, engaging in all the other attractions, not to mention for a big part of the year, the weather. So it's just a place that people want to go, a place where people have fun, and a place where um, there's a lot of um, population that's grown up in and around the city and the region and call it home. They're not transplants anymore. By the way, if you want to ask uh, Eric any questions, uh, feel free to give us a call, um, 702-365-9200. 
uh, he is an open book, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, do his best to answer whatever questions you might have about any subjects uh, that, that you might have. Um, and, and Eric, I know that in your new uh, endeavor, you know, gaming is, is, is a huge part of that. Um, where do you think the where do you think it started turning in terms of the acceptance of that, the openness of it, talking about it, uh, promoting it on commercials and things like that? It used to be, let's face it, I you know I don't want to use the word taboo, but it had that kind of an element when it came to uh, to gambling and especially sports gambling. It was something that was hidden in a lot of ways. Now it's out in the open. I live in a city that embraces it and really anywhere you go nowadays it's it's something that's easy to do whether you have an app or have a local casino that you can go to what would you attribute the uh the walls coming down a little bit in terms of the taboo uh, aspect of it i think when gambling went online it started being accessed by more and more people even though it was illegal in the united states people were still gambling or they with sites that were outside the United States or they they were engaging in activity in activities that were very much like gambling gaming whatever you want to call it whether it's sports or casino and so you had a generation of people who didn't really um, need to be in a casino to engage in the activity now you can call it illegal um, because it was at the time, but it, it just had, there were just so many people who were engaging in the activity that the taboo really began to become muted. And then, of course, you have the, 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 the revenue aspect of it. If you have illegal gambling going on, there's no tax and there's no protection for the consumer. So when it is legalized, there's tax revenue for the city and the state, and you have consumer protections in a variety of, of uh, uh, nature. And the consequence of that is, is acceptance. And, and as consumers accepted it, and politicians accepted it, and leaders in a variety of areas of our, um, our uh, society accepted it, then it became accepted by the sports leagues. Now, the sports leagues worried tremendously and still worry about um, people having a motivation to do something with the players or the refs and to influence the game. So they have to be incredibly vigilant, and they are, and the regulators are, and there are companies that provide services for monitoring. So those things had to grow up and and become very sophisticated along the way. Um, And all of that is... It, it, it continues to evolve and get better. It gets better every year. Um, but the operators don't benefit from activity that's not completely above board. And so they're vigilant as well. We're going to uh, take a quick break here, but uh, I want to stay on that and, and maybe talk to you about when the conversation started really getting serious about um, instead of pushing it away, embracing uh, the gaming aspect. And I know, like you said, um, there was there was revenue to be made. And so, you know, the NFL is a business. These pro sports leagues are a business. But there's also a fine line in, in where you go uh, seeking revenue. I w- would like to talk to you about when it started becoming more of a, hmm, this is something maybe we should start 
really thinking about and when some of those conversations started occurring. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Got just a couple minutes left with uh, Eric uh, Grubman. Um, Eric, uh, if you could explain what you're doing now um, and touch on that uh, just a little bit. Yeah, I raised uh, money from uh, the public markets in a special purpose acquisition company, uh, popularly known as a SPAC. We raised $450 million just about a year ago in October to uh, look for an investment in the sports and entertainment industry. Um, and uh, my partner was John Collins and another guy. And um, we got in discussions, the uh, company called us up, uh, popular name of it is Supergroup, and uh, we negotiated a deal, and we announced a deal a couple of months ago, and are now working on closing that deal to merge my company, the SPAC, with Supergroup, which is a large global online-only gaming company. And that's why I wanted to stay real quick. Uh, you were in the NFL. You worked for the NFL for many, many years. And, and we're talking about the gaming element. Um, and, and for years, you know, how that was something that, you know, the NFL and other sports leagues just didn't really want any part of. Uh, where did you see that starting to turn where, where, you know, leagues were starting to think, you know, maybe this is something that, A, we can monetize, B, um, we could get secured and, and be able to embrace rather than reject like we had for so many years? Are you asking when did I come to that conclusion or when did the NFL come to that? When did those conversations start start really happening? Because I can remember just a few years ago there was something with a fan duel and, you know, players were forbidden from going to participate uh, in, 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 you know, an event that they were doing. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's not lock and step, but, I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, the, the NFL and, and other sports leagues um, have, have embraced. I can tell you exactly when uh, we really started working on it. It was um, a couple hours after the Raiders got a successful vote from the ownership to move to Las Vegas. Um, I'd been looking at the gaming industry for a couple of years, independent of the Raiders. It had nothing to do with the Raiders. It had nothing to do with Las Vegas. But I'd been looking at it, and my conclusion couple of years before we really started working on it is that it had gone mainstream in the rest of the world and with the younger generation. And at least in the rest of the world, it was migrating very fast online. And that sports betting was a key aspect of that. But I didn't want to mix an NFL look or association with the gaming industry with the decision, the vote, the judgment of the owners on Las Vegas. I wanted Las Vegas to succeed or fail on the Raiders with their proposal to succeed or fail on the merits of Las Vegas as a city and the region. I didn't want it to be because the NFL was trying to do something in the gaming industry. Um, so when the vote was taken, I went to the commissioner and I said, look, I think it's time to take a serious look at this and 
come back with a report to ownership. And he said, I agree, go for it. And so we started, again, in secrecy so that nobody knew the NFL was looking at it. Um, It took about a year, maybe a little longer, and then we unveiled our findings for the owners. Um, And our findings didn't result in an immediate change in policy. Our findings really were um, to confirm what I um, I've already, already described, which is this has gone mainstream. Like it or not, all our fans are gambling. Um, not all of them, but a high proportion of them. And in the rest of the world, the proportion is even higher on those sports. And it's mobile, social, international, and young. And that's where our future, that's where many of our current fans are, and that's where our future fans are. And um, I also reported on our findings on the compliance area and the security area and the monitoring area and said that, at least in my judgment, it had gotten to the point um, where the risks were manageable. And so with that, the NFL began the process of talking to companies directly and looking at it very carefully and taking it very seriously. Now, fast forward a few months after that, I left the NFL, so other people took that over and and took the steps that uh, that you're familiar with. Last question for you, Eric, and I appreciate your time. Uh, where do you see it uh, going? Where do you where do you see this uh, headed? Um, you know, we'll talk specifically about the NFL. I mean, is there going to be a time where you can, you know, um, kiosks at stadiums and things like that, where it's it's going to be you know readily available on that um, on that level, or just what's your vision for that? Well, I don't remember the automobile commercial, but I don't remember the. I remember the commercial. I don't remember which car it was, but it, you know, it was this, this is not your father's whatever Buick or Oldsmobile. It modernized their car. I think kiosks are my generation. Younger generations, everything's on the phone. Right. Everything's mobile. I so I see kiosks and clubs and things like that for branding and for fun. But I don't see the volume coming out of the kiosk. The person's going to do it right from their seat because that's what they want. They're going to engage in it. And frankly, I think it's going to be coupled with social media in very powerful ways. There's going to, you're going to be in your seat and your friend's going to be in a seat in some division rival or on your couch. And you're going to, you know, you're going to be engaging in gaming activity coincident with the games and it's going to be seamless between the two of you or the four of you or the 10 of you or the hundred of you um, because it makes it more fun. I mean, why is there a March Madness pool in every office in America, even though parenthetically it used to be illegal. So none of us, none of us actually participated in those pools, right? Because even if you knew nothing about NCAA basketball, it was a social experience and engagement in the office to be in the pool. That's why. Right. Because it's fun. And so you don't have to, and many people would bet next to nothing, but they're part of the action, no pun intended, and people like that. And so I see the stadium, you know, Physics is physics, but electronics is electronics, and no engineer around the physics of 
connectivity in stadiums so that it'll be blazing fast. 65,000 people will be able to be on there at once with video, instant. And so the people who are at the kiosks, they, they may want a deeper experience, but more likely the kiosks will move into the, you know, the, 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 the sport book club that's a branding exercise, and they'll, they'll just... You know, they'll just have fun in a different way. You don't want to take your eye off the game while you're placing your bet. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Eric, it's always fascinating talking to you. Uh, I uh, look forward to our next conversation and uh, truly appreciate it. And hopefully you'll get out to Las Vegas uh, to see a game here at Allegiant Stadium. I think uh, you'll, be, uh, you'll be delighted in what you see. I really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, take care of yourself and uh, talk to you down the road, Eric. You got it. Take care. You too. That was Eric Grubin. He was front and center uh, in the pursuit of the NFL returning to Los Angeles and certainly here in Las Vegas. Um, it probably doesn't happen without him. Let's just put it that way. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we get back, we'll bring Lincoln back and get his final thoughts. Remember, Thursdays are his uh, last day before he hits the road uh, for his Pac-12 uh, assignments. I want to get his thoughts on what he thinks might happen on Monday night in Las Vegas, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Um, he, he was back at practice. Jalen was back at practice, Teamer. We had some guys back at practice, and we'll see. We'll have to see how it goes in the next few days. I would say it's, it's really questionable, his status right now, but... It's good to have everybody back at practice. Questionable. Hmm. I don't know about that. Um, Lincoln Kennedy. We're going right to Yes. All right. So uh, once again, we go into a Raiders game where the Raiders are underdogs flat out. Las Vegas thinks that uh, the Chargers are going to win this game. Uh, They thought that the Ravens were going to beat them. They thought that the Steelers were going to beat them. Why is that? What's up, man? Why why are the Raiders <laughs> being so disrespected by the well, desert? Well, I, I would think that, you know, a lot of people going into the season just were questioning the defense. And that was a big question. They knew the Raiders could score, but you were questioning defense. Now that you've seen that, it's not a case that people are doubting. I mean, they're I guess doubting you, you, you Lincoln. Talk about the odds. Well, they're I mean, doubting. you talk about the odds makers, but, but at the same point, you're also taking on – you know, teams that had successful records last year, other than the Chargers. You know what I mean? And and you know, they were favored against the Dolphins, uh, which which beat them last year and, and had a you know ten win record. But mm-hmm. you know, the questions about the backup quarterback, just the way that this offense is playing, the way that Justin Herbert is playing with Mike Williams, and and you know, it's it's been they've been effective. The Chargers have been effective, and the defense is playing pretty sound. Um, you could probably, you know, make the argument when they when they took on the uh, the Cowboys, if they um, and and you know the Cowboys end up beating that that game, but it was a big deal going back to Kansas City uh, and beating and beating the Chiefs. All right, do you agree with the uh, with where the line is right here? I mean, as you look at Lincoln Kennedy, the analyst, are you in agreement? Do you think that this is where it should be, that line? Do you think that, um, you know, ha- having a, a, a healthy level of skepticism as the Raiders go into Los Angeles to play the Chargers, who I happen to think they're just a better football team then, what do you say about that? Uh, I, I think it's pretty close, and it depends on where you're looking at. I think that, um, you know, I, 
I, I think that this defense, our defense is a little better, especially against the run. Uh, I know statistically the, the Chargers give up a lot of rushing yards. Um, so that, but it, it, that again doesn't necessarily help us because we haven't really, you know, got the running game elite or, you know, running efficiently, I should say, not elite. Um, but it, it's going to be tough. And they, the things that we do right now well, they do well in defending. And so I think it's awfully close across the board, especially when you talk about the year that, that Herbert is having, much like the year that Derek Carr is having. All right. You're Tom Cable. How are you dealing with Joey Bosa? Well, you'll chip. You'll you'll put a tight end and make him go a, a, make him go long. But you know that's not that's not really one of the matchups. I think it's going to be key. I think Leatherwood has come along. He's been exposed to some good defensive ends that have really tried him, and he's held his own pretty well. Um, I know, obviously, you got to pay attention to where number ninety-seven is at all times for the Chargers' defense because he's just that efficient and effective as a defender. But you know, actually, when it comes down to me, but the, the key matchup, they, I think it's going to be the Raiders' defensive front versus the Chargers' offensive line. And I say that because you know they drafted Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern this year, so he's a rookie, uh, and he's playing left tackle. But Storm Norton, their right tackle, is a second-year guy out of Toledo. And I just think the way that guys like Crosby and 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 Dockway are playing, that they might have the they might have a, the drop to be able to generate pressure. Now, keep in mind what the Chargers are going to do, and the Chargers are a really good draw and screen team. I see them doing a lot of those in this game, so that's going to be the key to, to, to one of the keys that stand out for me. Uh, we're going to get out to the uh, Raider Nation uh, caller line, and Justin wants to talk about Josh Jacobs. How are you doing, Justin? Hey guys, happy Thursday. How's it going? Doing good, thank you. Wonderful. Good, good. Hey, I saw that uh, Jacobs practice today, and I think you guys said he's questionable for the game. I think he's. Uh, it's going to be big if he can play. That's that's kind of the only part of the offense that hasn't clicked yet is the run game, in my opinion. I know last week uh, Peyton Barber got over a hundred yards, but Jacobs is a different animal, and and I think the the league has seen enough of Derek Carr in this offense to maybe get a little bit of a a tell on what they can do passing the ball. And I think if you put a playmaker back into the offense, well, he probably won't be a hundred percent if he, you know, if he does end up suiting up, I think that could be the difference in this, in this big game, probably the biggest game of the season so far, in my opinion, just want your guys thoughts on how he looked at practice today. And, and if there's any uh, true optimism to see uh 28 back on the field, thanks guys. Uh, yeah, and, and I thought he looked good um, uh, running around in the portion of the practice that we were allowed to watch. Um, I think that uh, it just – I don't know. I'm kind of raising a little bit of an eyebrow when I hear, I don't know, questionable. And then Derek Carr came out, well, if he can play, you know. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if that's, you know, just a little bit of a, a deke going on, uh, the old, uh, you know, uh, hidden ball trick and everything like that. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of – competitiveness going on right now in terms of, you know, uh, uh, letting the Chargers think one thing when maybe something else is about ready to happen. Lincoln, uh, any thoughts I'd be on surprised that? if he plays. Really? Yeah. I'd be surprised if he plays. I just don't, I, I just don't see, think it's necessary. If, if he's still questionable, I don't think it's necessary for him to play. And it's yeah. Thursday. Well, that's the quite. The, I'm questioning the questionable part of it. You know, like I think it's right. just semantics right. right now. I think it's that's what I'm saying basically. Like I, I don't know. I think it's. I think he's. I you know. Uh, I think that there's just a little bit of gamesmanship maybe going on uh, in in that regard. Now, I, obviously, when they he hasn't been um, 
classified yet. Uh, I, I think there was a they didn't complete the practice today, so they didn't. Um, from what I understand, there's no status, there's no out in anything like that. I got to check uh, the, the latest injury report, uh, but um, so not quite sure what his official status is. But just how like Derek and and, and John were were talking about it, you know, I'm wondering if they're just you know playing a little bit of poker right now. Um, I. I'd be surprised if he didn't play. I'll put it that way, Lincoln. Really, you you, you think that he looks that good coming back? Um, yeah, and and I I, I think that I, I think he definitely wants to be out there. I think the Raiders need him uh, to be out there. It's a really important game. I think that they're not going to expose him to something if he's not healthy. Let's put it that way. You know, I don't think that that's right. something that's right. the case. Um, but I, I want to ask you real quick about Alex Leatherwood and you know Pro Football Focus. They've got. You know uh, their their grading system and and their evaluators. They've got people that have done this before. I think some old offensive line coaches are, are part of that group now. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the grades, and I'm looking at his pass blocking grade, and it's 25.4 out of uh, 100. Um, it looks like he's uh, by the numbers uh, allowed three sacks. He's got four penalties, and uh, he's allowed five quarterback hits and total pressures allowed. 13. Um, you know, those aren't really good numbers, uh, Lincoln, when it comes to uh, pass protection. We knew that his uh, that wasn't going to be the strength of his game uh, coming, out of, coming out of college. It was something that he needed to work on. But, you know, you have a unique advantage because you've played the position, and so you know, you know, uh, you know better than most how to assess a, a young player in that regard. Where do you fall on where he's playing right now? Is it that bad? Is it 20? Well, he's – it's not necessarily that bad, but it's not that great. He's still giving his upfield shoulder up. And what I mean by that is he's turning really early out of his stance. Now, to be fair, um, I don't like when you expose a guy you know has struggled with um, slimmer pass rushers that you put them you put them on an island. You don't put a tight end over there or you don't put a back over there. I don't like, like that. Even though they try to slide with the interior line, they try to turn towards him to help him inside out. He still gives up his upfield shoulder. His, so from looking at the – when you're watching, Vinny, as you watch a right tackle, his right shoulder is his upfield shoulder, okay? When mm-hmm. he comes, comes to do a pass set, he's dropping back. His left shoulder is on the inside towards the line of scrum, I mean, towards the center. His right sh- shoulder is his upfield shoulder. He turns too quickly to give up his out his right side shoulder. That's why you see a lot of guys who are cutting that corner and getting very close to Derek. Um, Derek did a good job using his feet this last game, but you did see the one that uh, TJ Watt took in Pittsburgh, and that was a classic case of him giving up his, his upfield shoulder. So it's a work in progress. Um, and Joey Bosa is going to do a lot of things just like TJ Watt did or tried to do when he was when he's playing. And then, of course, there there's the inside where you're, where you're going to have guys that are going to spin on the inside. So he's got to get a little bit better playing in space, but he's being a trial by fire. So uh, I think that what will help him and what will help them, everyone of the offensive linemen, is that if you can establish some balance to where you're not calling 45, 50 passes in a game and you have a balance of the run because we know what we saw what he did last in the second half when they started running towards him instead of running away from him how effective he was in generating that space. That's his strength. No, you, 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 didn't, you didn't draft him 17 because of his pass pro uh, skill. You drafted him because he's a road grader, and that's what you want. 
it also looked like he was uh, um, he wasn't a hundred percent in Sunday's game. Uh, there was an injury that he had suffered the game before. I remember he came out uh, of yeah. that game um, with a little bit of a back injury. I saw him. I was watching him coming off the field. There were a couple of times when he was grabbing at something, uh, so something you know wasn't wasn't feeling right. But how much cre- how much uh, I shouldn't say credence, but how much um, the fact that he's out there playing in spite of whatever it is that he's dealing with. Uh, especially coming off the guy before who, you know, just always sort of figured out ways not to play um, when he wasn't feeling 100%. That's got to stand for something, I would imagine. Without a doubt. It's one of the things that I liked about him when I talked with Coach Cable about him and had a chance to interview him after they drafted him. He likes to play. And and, and look, you know, a rare breed are offensive linemen. You don't want to come off the field. You don't want to rotate. You want to be out there. You know, I had the feeling that when I was out there, if my quarterback was out there, I had to be out there. I didn't like taking plays off. Oh, you're tired. Let's get somebody out. No, 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 no. This is my job. Leave me alone. He likes to play. So, yeah, that is something that you tip his hat to, your hat to. And I think that, you know, when it comes to certain positions, offensive line, one of them, the more reps you get, the better. The more times you see what's going on, the better. And, you know, there was a couple times, like in the Pittsburgh game, even before he went out, that he saw he, he saw some moves. That kind of got him at first, but when they tried him on the second time, he was better prepared for it. Uh, and that's learning. That's why you want to have as many reps as possible. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you, especially in the run game. Um, when they were running to his side, they were they were picking up yards. So that's a that's a good sign moving forward. Um, you know, I this is your last day here uh, until next week. So I'm really curious to 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 ask you. How many points are the Raiders going to have to score in this game uh, to win this game? And, and what it, what ultimately do you see happening on Monday night? This score, I think, is going to be 31-27 Raiders. I think that they're going to have to have the ball last, and they're going to have to put it up uh, to the score to seal the game. Hmm. Okay. Um, I like... I like the pass rush against the the what's really a younger offensive line for the Chargers. I think the Raiders are going to be able to rattle uh, Justin a little bit. I know that there's it's a fine line. It's you know Justin or excuse me Jacoby Brissett isn't the best athlete. I think Justin Herbert is a superior athlete. Um, but but I felt like Brissett had a, a great feel for maybe it was just a one game type of a thing because he's never really been known for that. But he had a really good feel for uh, moving in the pocket. On Sunday, and I thought he made the Raiders pay a little bit. Um, you know, I I just feel like Herbert, they're going to be able to rattle him a little bit. I think they're going to be able to get after him uh, a little bit. And how critical do you well, think that's going to be? I, I would hope. I would hope. Yeah, I, I would hope that that you know, that one thing that I think the Chargers are going to try to do, and he showed signs of it when he's been in there, is use their aggressive nature, like guys like Crosby, against the, the, their aggressiveness against them by doing a lot of those zone reads and those RPOs. Where I mean, and again, they're they're a good team that screens and, and draws, so they've got a good delay game. Um, those are things that you have to be aware of. These are all the things they're going to try to to protect that offensive line, as well as running the football. So I mean, this this you know the Raiders defense is going to be tested well, and we already talked about how you know good the season that Mike Williams is having. Uh, Keenan Allen was a little banged up and had had an ankle issue. I don't know if he's going to go, but I would assume that if he does, they have both of their wide receivers out there to cause trouble in the secondary. So, I mean, it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be a lot, it's going to be scoring the back and forth, a lot of action. 
the team that obviously, in my opinion, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win. Yeah, I could see it playing out that way. And I think that um, the three quarterbacks that the Raiders have played thus far, um, I don't think I don't think they've been challenged with the long ball as I, I think that I think the Chargers are going to take some shots that way. I mean, you've got no uh, doubt, no doubt. You know no what I'm doubt. saying? Like, like, I don't know if they've really seen that yet uh this year uh in terms of how many times they're gonna that the, the charges are gonna try to try to take advantage of that and i so I, my, my where i go with that is i think trevon morig trevon morig uh, is gonna have a different set of challenges for him on sunday because uh, it's something that i don't think he's seen yet not at least not in terms of the numbers that i expect to see uh with the chargers and i wouldn't be shocked i wouldn't be shocked if trevon morig ends up with a pick in this game well, he's going to have to do a lot of sideline to sideline, if you know what I mean, because there's no doubt in my mind they're going to try to try with Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. They're going to try with those receivers to stretch the field. And the big thing is that if even if you don't get a completion, you might get a pass interference. Well, we've seen how aggressive the corners have been uh, and, and the Raiders in the last game against the Dolphins. So I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a big test. Um, the big thing is that if you if you find a way to get to Justin Herbert quickly and and again if those interceptions come in or they happen then then you can negate a lot of that and he probably won't take the chances is it going to change how Jonathan Abram is deployed because uh, you know we, we've seen him playing like we've talked about for for months and months that that box safety position that little bit of a zone that he plays now in pass coverage uh, but if 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 teams are going to if, if the Chargers are going to start throwing the ball down the field more uh, than than they've seen in the first three games how does that change how you use a Jonathan Abram well you can't put them you, you, look they got caught a couple times this past week um, using trying to get him to cover a slot receiver or something like that, and especially like that, that could have been dangerous um, against Fuller. Um, and, and when they when they took a long shot, you don't want to have him there. But um, the support in, in the basket would be having him watch Austin Eckler, the running back, kind of mimic him or or, or mirror him, I should say, uh, staying in the box. But you just don't want to get him exposed in space. I mean, you saw what Jacoby Brissett did to him in open field when he was coming down. He his aggression has got to be tailored or tamed and it won't happen this year. Um, but, but those are things that are, that are still working against him. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, that's kind of how he's wired. And I, 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 to me, he's played much, much, much more settled down. Um, you know, they, they talked earlier this year during training camp, Ron Miles, the secondary coach about turning down the volume on Jonathan Abram. And I think he's done a really good job of doing that. You could just, watch the way he's carrying himself that he's he's toned it down he's toned that whole act down a little bit uh but there are moments I, like you i said. agree with you yeah i do i agree with you Vinny. yeah all right well um no i was Lincoln, just gonna say i agree with you Vinny, but it's, it is what it is huh? yeah exactly exactly and you just got to hope that it doesn't rear its ugly head <laughs> you know in a, in a way that's gonna hurt the raiders uh in a, in a big play or a couple of big plays uh, Lincoln, I will talk to you Monday in Los Angeles. Uh, have a great weekend up until that point. Uh, enjoy Oregon State, Washington, or Washington State, Oregon. Yep, that's State. right. That's where I'm going to be. No, no, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington. I'll be, uh, be in Corvallis. All right, uh, very good. Try not to uh, root too hard for uh, for Washington. Uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you on <laughs> Monday or on Tuesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow from the Treasure Island, 4 to 6 p.m.